Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give in the place where I've been sent. But will my labor make much difference in the end? Sometimes I feel so all alone Like the prophet Jeremiah You may be the one to go To the dying and the broken With a message of hope To that church on the corner Of that forgotten little town To a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him known One willing soul to make him known What a great song, and if you haven't figured it out yet they have, they being uh, Chosen Road, has dropped a brand new album, and that song, which they wrote for this podcast, is available. You got to check it out. Go to go to whatever you do to find your music, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is. Uh, what a great opportunity. Support those guys because they support you. Well, my name is Andy Addis, and I am the host of the Rural Pastor Podcast. I'm joined today by two incredible leaders that I work with on a regular basis, and the reason I selected them to be with us today is because of the topic. I'll reveal it in just a moment, but this, this, these are the other two parts of the three-man teaching team for Crosspoint Church, and uh, that is the church that is the rural multi-site that we talk about all the time that uh, I, I get to help lead, and these guys help me lead that as well. So I'd like to introduce one by one. First of all, I'm going to do it in order of seniority, just how long you've been around. Mr. Ryan Booth from Crosspoint Salina, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Uh, been around for eight or nine years now, I think. So. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, Crosspoint Salina, which is a congregation that is blowing and going, huge building here, uh, just off the interstate, you were actually here in the planting days. Yeah, the early days, back when it was completely different than it is now, but uh, just as exciting. So we've been around in one way, shape, or form for uh, 12 or 13 years. And if I could just say, I'm just going to see if I can get this out correctly, your major first attempt to be in church was at Crosspoint. So the reason that you're the incredible speaker that you are today is because of the pastor that you grew up under. Isn't that correct? 100% correct. <laughs> I'm just trying to pat myself on the back, and it's so ugly. Uh, not, not quite as many years, uh, and actually an, a plant from outside the area that's done been such a blessing to us, Shane Marks at Crosspoint Hutchinson. How long have you been with yes, us, Shane? Yes, coming up on five years now. Good. Five years, and you were a transplant from? Yes, uh, born and raised in California, moved from Los Angeles, was there about 12 years doing ministry there. That's awesome. And then Kansas seemed like just a really easy transition from L.A., so we moved here. Well, and your wife <laughs> has Midwest roots, right? But my wife was born and raised in, in Nebraska. Oh, I did so. catch the joke. It's the... <laughs> 
Um, in, in that, um, what's what I think is really interesting is as you have come here, you have maintained who you are and yet fit in, which I think is really crazy because you, you still wear clothes I, I wouldn't wear, <laughs> uh, but but yet you are still a part of a rural community, and it's yeah, just it's amazing. It's, it's really good. good. Well, the reason these guys are on here is we're going to talk about preaching today because at the Rural Pastor Podcast, we want to pour into, partner with, pat on the back, the Rural Pastor, because what you're doing is important, and you guys are preaching week in and week out, again and again. Let's just take some time to talk about it, and uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, we're going to do two episodes together. But on this one, think back to the time you first preached, like your first message, and uh, kind of describe uh, that day and, uh, and and a little bit of that process for us. Was it a sweet, wonderful experience full of the Holy Spirit, or was it a nightmare from the bowels of hell, or somewhere in between? Just just what was it for you guys? Oh, well, I, I mine was probably sooner than yours, Ryan. Uh, it was probably seven years ago was the mm. first time I preached, and um, it was summer of I think it was 2016. Yeah, summer of 2016. And uh, I remember that day I prepped forever. I mean, I, I honestly think I prepped like 40 hours. Because I, I honestly, I, I had a music degree. I, I, had, right. I had no seminary degree and no seminary training. Uh, even to this day, I've had no preaching classes. And uh, so I just remember prepping forever. And mm. uh, I was a little nervous. But my first sermon, I, 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 and I still do this today, I transcribe my whole message. But my first time, I had it up there and I read it. I read my first message. Now, like I was, sinners in the hands of an angry yeah. God, you just read that. Yeah, because I honestly, I was so I was nervous and I was like, I don't know how to do this. So here is my message. I'll just read it to everybody. It, where what? Where did you deliver that at? It was in Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, in the, the big church. city. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very good. Seven years ago, manuscript. Were you just nervous as can be to do it? Yeah, I'm a perfectionist. So mm-hmm. if I would do something, I want to do it really, really well. So I prepped a ton. And when I say I read it, it was as engaging as you could be with the manuscript. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, so, but yeah, I was, it was my first time doing that. So and anytime you do something for the first time, you're kind of nervous. And sure. you still manuscript everything, meaning you write it out word for word. I still do. That's and, how I memorize it now. Well, and you do, you memorize it. It's I amazing. Just, and so now I still transcribe, so manuscript it word, like literally word for word. If you mm. read it, you could read it and it would sound like someone speaking. Right. But then that's how I memorize it now is by just typing it out and then. I'm but you do three services is a weekend when you're preaching at, at Hutch, and you're a robot, man. I mean, you, it's amazing. It's the same message every time. Uh, so, I mean, it, you say, some of the guys, well, he memorizes. He, he gets close. No, Shane memorizes that thing, and it is the same thing. It, it's, a, it's a skill. That's how God developed you. I'm, I'm a more extemporaneous. I preach from bullet points um, and, and try and be consistent, but, you know, God made us each how we are. How about you, Ryan? Uh, first time uh, for preaching. What was it like, and where was it? Yeah, so it was about 15 years ago, and a little bit of context, I didn't grow up in the church, and I had become a believer probably within two years of my first time preaching. So I remember feeling overwhelmed because I had very little framework for what it even meant to like put together a sermon. And fun fact, the homiletics class that I was preaching in, so it wasn't just normal congregation, it was five people who were in a night school homiletics <laughs> class. It was five weeks long and we had to preach 10 minute messages twice in the five weeks. And that was the only homiletics class uh, or preaching class that I'd ever had um, before then and since then. And I remember being uh, really nervous and just not really having a clue on how to put this thing together. But I'd like to say it went well, but you'd have to ask the other five people who were there that night. Well, did you get a grade? Yeah, what'd, grade? You get? what'd you get? I think I got an A or a B, but again... <laughs> uh, let, let me help you out. 
he got a B. <laughs> fun, fun fact: in college, in undergrad college, I had a public communication. Right, right, right. I got two Bs in college. One of them was public communication. <laughs> you should have told us that before we hired you. I know. <laughs> well, my first time, uh, I remember walked in an aisle, and I told uh, my pastor, Doyle Smith in Great Bend, Kansas, that I was uh, called to ministry. And he goes, okay, you're preaching next weekend. And he said, see you on Monday. And we started prep, I don't know how many hours, but I would write. He told me what to write, and then I would go to the church library and then bring it back. he go, nope. And we just did that all week long. And on Friday, he's like, all right, that's what you're going with. <laughs> that was about <laughs> it. And uh, he sent me over to Trinity Baptist uh, in uh, Hoisington, Kansas. I sweat through all la- three layers of a three-piece suit. I mean, it was horrific. And I preached from note cards that I still have. And I like used a whole pack uh, out of, I think, First Thessalonians. And then when I got done, uh, I told Doyle, I said, well, got done. He goes, how'd it go? And I went, it is okay. He goes, okay, you're doing it again tonight. And he made me preach it again Sunday night at my home church. Wow. So I had to preach it twice in the same day. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, man, the, you wouldn't give anything for those days, would you? Because right? mm-hmm. you look back and you go, I remember as a young preacher, were you ever at this place, where you were putting stuff together, and it took so much to put the weekly message together. You were thinking, I can't do this mm-hmm. every week for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And if you're at that place, let me just say, it does get easier. Yes, you, you find rhythms, and uh, and th- and that's kind of what we want to talk about. We want to want to do some myth busting today. Uh, we've got a verse of scripture. I want to cap things off, but normally we you know we we trace something through scripture. Today, I just want to do some myth busting. I got four things, and want to hear your guys' responses. Now, these are going to be mostly a surprise to them. They heard them a few months ago, but there's no way they remember them. So, uh, here we go. Myth number one. When you're preaching, you are not in competition. That's the first myth that we have to overcome. When you preach, you're not in competition. We live in this world where you think you're being compared to everybody on YouTube and the preacher down the street, but you need to understand as the pastor of a local congregation that they are just supplemental for you. You're the meal and everything they're seeing online are vitamins, right? If God has put them in your congregation, you're not in competition. And you can just say, thank God that they're watching... Uh, that preacher instead of Stranger Things on Netflix, right? So uh, when I make this statement, when you preach, you're not in competition. I'm talking about everybody outside of your fellowship. Uh, is that a, is that a correct statement? Can you see that through a positive lens uh, that people are listening to other preachers uh, and that they have they're they're always wanting to say, well, so and so said this, or I heard so and so preach on that. Is that a positive for you? Can you make that a positive, or does that always feel like a negative? Yeah, well, I would agree with you. We're not in competition. And I think that's a really good thing um, in terms of just a truth because you think about competition, it seems very external, but the reality is it's often very internal. And not just are we in competition with the people or the ones preaching down the street, but are we in competition uh, with ourselves? And you'd think when people pat you on the back because you had that one good sermon Mm -hmm. that you would feel the relief of saying, well, okay, I can take a a break a little bit. But for a lot of us... um, Regardless of church size, it just makes us feel like we got to one-up ourselves the next week. And that competition with ourselves is really ultimately an identity issue. Mm. Am I finding my rest in Christ, my identity in Christ, or do I have to constantly one-up my last sermon? And that can drive someone crazy because you get to this point where you literally think, I cannot do any better. And God's saying, you didn't have to play this game to begin with. It was mm. not sustainable. You know, as you bring that up, that's going to play into the second myth as well in just a second. But 
one of the things that I try and tell young preachers is that if you live by the applause, you're going to die by the criticism, right? Uh, it's, it's not about what everybody says about your performance. It's about whether or not you are doing what you believe God's asked you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and if you start valuing your preaching or your ministry on anything else, you're always going to be disappointed. So really good. How about you, Shane? What about yeah, that? I mean, I think God's put you in that certain context. You are the preacher to those people. And so you're not in competition with anyone else because they're not their pastor. You're their pastor. And, and there's a bit of endearment that people have. People have an endearment for their pastor. And so honestly, even if you are let's just say unbiasedly a little subpar uh, in your speaking abilities compared to some of the outside preachers. That doesn't matter. You're their pastor. And, and as long as you're pastoring well and shepherding well, people, people love you. They want to hear, they'd rather hear from you because you're there with them than some celebrity preacher, you know, five States away. Yeah. Dr. David Jeremiah is on TV cause he's really good. You know what I mean? And they have the budget for that. They can do that, but he is not living life. In your community, he has not been given your congregation, and he can be an asset to your ministry, but you can't be jealous of him, and you can't you can't be in competition, right? It's also a good reminder. You look at Moses, chosen by God to lead the people out of Egypt, and what was he known for in his own life? Not being able to talk, and yet that's exactly who God chose. And you say, oh well, that might be a one-off thing. Maybe God, you know, uh, forgot that part. Well, we know that's not the case. Plus, other prophets, other teachers, other leaders. You look at Jeremiah in his call in Jeremiah one, and he said when God called him to be a prophet to the nations, he said, but I can't speak, and I'm young. Mm-hmm. And he made these excuses. And so God willingly chooses those of us who, who are not very good at communicating, and that should be a peace to us. Amen. And, and if you need some help, Moses is a great example because he goes, I, 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 I can't, can't talk. And he goes, yeah, why don't you grab your brother? <laughs> uh, anyway, is it amusing to you, Shane, that Ryan's microphone has slid all the way to the bottom. He He's having to lean way over. And then he keeps lowering his, <laughs> his body. <laughs> Y'all can't enjoy what we're enjoying, but Ryan is turning into the hunchback of Notre Dame to, uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll just keep you updated. I don't think it'd go any further. Here's yeah. the, here's the second myth we want to bust. It is this, you don't need to hit home runs every week. Just get on base, which is kind of what you were getting at right there. A matter of fact, uh, last weekend, um, had, I preached a message and I, I had one of our long timers in our congregation come up to me and go, top three, buddy, top three. So it was in the top three of the message. And at first you're like, all right. But then immediately, I've been preaching for almost 30 years. I'm like, Ugh, what am I going to do next week? And that's exactly the trap you can get in. So you don't need to think in terms of home runs. Just every week, advance the basis, right? Every week, take somebody a little bit further. Good myth to bust or gosh yeah because if you're trying to outdo yourself then it's about you Mm. and 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 so and preaching is the opposite is not about you at all it's about conveying christ and showing christ to the people and so uh you you have to you have to entrust you have to do your work so you have to just rely on your practices and your prep work, and then you have to give that to the Lord and say, I've done my work, and, and now, now, Lord, I'm going to do my best, but, but any outcome is not from you. Any outcome is from the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And it's a reminder as well, this isn't a graduation speech where it's a one-off and you hope it better be your best speech ever. Uh, you're building on something week after week after week. Each sermon is a brick in the wall, and to recognize, hey, that pressure is off. Uh, these are people that love me and I love them. And I'm going to 
Lord willing, be up here again next week. And not only that, but it's not just the Sunday teaching. It's everything from newsletters to one-on-one you know, conversations that we are building um, you know, instruction and teaching uh, with our congregation, and that all builds on each other. Amen. You know, uh, one of the things that that I try and do as a practice, and uh, and you guys, I don't know if you do anything like this, but I'll just confess this, is I have targets when I'm preaching. I used to be a journalist, and I know that you you wrote to an eighth grade level. So I try and do two things every weekend. Uh, I try and preach to the lowest common denominator, thinking who is just barely inside the door as a believer. And my message is really geared towards how do I reach them? But then I also always want to have one thing that will make my wife go, huh, I didn't know that. And if I can do both those things, I mean, God hadn't asked me to do that. But just as a, as a, as a preacher, I want to make sure that I'm not preaching at a level that anybody is missing something. But then I also want to make sure that my wife, who's heard me preach so much, actually goes, there was something that was really worth coming today. I mean, that's just, it's not a home run. For sure, uh, but but it, it's just advancing the bases, getting people around the corner. Okay, number three. Here is the third myth: the preaching, your preaching value is in your relationship with God and not your knowledge of God. In other words, it's not how much Greek or Hebrew you can fake. It's not about how much Old Testament history you can espouse. But the best of your preaching is not in your knowledge of God, but it should come out in the fact that the congregation can sense you have a deep relationship with God. Are you saying that's a myth? Well, that we need to bust the myth that uh, that it's all about the knowledge oh, that you God, have, yes, and yes. it needs to be able. Yeah, then I, I agree. I yes, that poorly. Then I agree. I agree. <laughs> but that is a myth. <laughs> yes, uh, because sometimes sometimes we try and outpun our coverage, don't we? And we we say, I'm going to get into this language study, or I'm going to use this bit of history, and and we just used, we just learned it that week. Uh, and the truth is that I think the best preaching, the, the, the line that I was given is you should always study enough that you're preaching the 10% of the 100% that you learned. And if you're preaching 100% of what you learned, you might be just stretching just a bit. So it needs to be more out of the relationship with God. Absolutely. Yeah, the old adage that more is caught than taught comes into play a little bit as well as just the fact that, you know, another old adage that we can teach what we want people to be, but we only reproduce what we are. They're going to see that relationship with God or the lack thereof. And that's what they're ultimately attracted to. It's the Holy Spirit that they see, that they sense, that they know, okay, God is speaking through this person, but God is speaking to that person. And if you don't have the God is speaking to that person part, then it lacks credibility. And so when it comes to uh, the knowledge part, you know, this isn't an after-school special where knowledge is power. You know, there's a degree in which that's true. Even the Proverbs speak to that. But uh, in our preaching, it's dependence uh, that gives us power, a submission that gives us power, uh, and not necessarily uh, the knowledge that may uh, be helpful or may just puff us up. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think it's just abiding in Christ is the main thing. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're a preacher, that is what we want, uh, to abide and to be in Him. And I think your preaching will come out of that. And and yeah, is there a place for learning? Of course. Like we've all had our a share, fair share of, of learning and, and education. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'd rather sit under a preacher that abides in Christ fully without a seminary degree mm. than some some PhD who who's faking it. 
right? I, I, I want, I want the person that has that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I had an experience at a, we practiced sabbatic break. So I had a weekend off and one of you guys was filling in for us. And, um, I went to my buddy's church across town, small congregation. And, um, uh, he's a great preacher and does a good job. But that day I was blown away. Literally, Kathy said, I haven't seen you move like that in a while. Um, they had a, a high school junior, and all he was asked to do was read the scripture. And you could, he read Romans 8, uh, 36 through 38. And um, I remember he got up, and you could tell he was about to die. And he had, mom had pressed his slacks, and he was wearing a button-up shirt and a tie that pointed right at his belly button. And he got up there to read that scripture. And I knew that I knew that I could even tell I could even tell you the verse the version that he was using. I mean, but when it came out of his mouth, it devastated me. And I started thinking about it. What what is up with that verse? And that was it wasn't the verse. It was that kid. I mean, his heart was so right. He just wanted to honor God, and all he did was read that scripture. And it was the best best part of the morning. It was just amazing. Cool. So there are those days that, you know, when your heart needs to be where it needs to be, sometimes it's best just to read the Scripture and shut up. Yeah. Well, it's saying who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust your education? Are you going to trust um, the, the learning you've done? Or are you going to trust in Christ and in your relationship with Him? It's, it's all about who you trust there, too. Amen. So myths to bust. When you preach, you're not in competition. You don't need to hit home runs every week. Your preaching value is in your relationship, not your knowledge of him. That's the myth. And then finally, when you preach, you are not alone. And I don't know about you, and this might be an idiosyncrasy with me, but so I'll just find out right now. I think the loneliest time of the week is that moment after the final song is sung and I'm walking out to the podium. I just, in our context, hundreds of people looking at you. They're all there, friendly. They want to hear from you. For whatever reason, that just feels incredibly lonely, like the weight of the world is on you. And you have to remember that that's probably coming out of the fact that you think you got to perform, mm. right, instead of serve the God that puts you in that place. But it can be incredibly lonely. So we need to bust the myth that when you walk out on that stage, when you preach the Word of God, you are never alone. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Matter of fact, let me give you, and, and then you guys can comment as you'd like. I know that one of the things that people do that isn't always followed up on is they say they're praying for you. But we've had a group of little old ladies in our church, and I know they're praying for us because as they have died over the years, I have felt the prayer cover slip. Like when Miss Betty, Miss Betty Dean Taylor, when she passed, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, we're exposed. And people, and I could just feel it. I could sense it. I could see what was happening. And I realized that that woman had been a prayer warrior on behalf of our church. And so people asked, what can I do? I said, you need to step up because <laughs> we've got, we got some chinks in the armor. And so one of the ways that you're not alone, yes, the Holy Spirit's with you, but man, there are people that are praying for you and they are rooting for you. They want God to show up in the things that you are doing and that you are saying. So when you preach, you're not alone. This this might sound odd, but and maybe maybe you felt this as well. Sometimes it seems like when you're getting up to preach, you can see on the faces of some of the people they are eager for the word, and something about the way they look as they're waiting to hear you preach lets you know they're the they're the type of people that were praying for you all week, mm. and you feel that in the room that it's hey there are people that they have been prepping. Uh, like I've been prepping, and that makes you feel good. On top of the fact that uh, whether it's a great cloud of witnesses or your brothers down the street preaching, we know that we're not alone. 
Mm, I love it. Yeah, I think uh, one of the ways that I think God has helped me with that, actually about a year ago, um, I, I don't recommend this for everybody, but I stopped using notes when I preach. Mm-hmm. I just, I felt this weight. I'm a, I'm a real list maker, a to-do guy. So when I go out there with notes, um, I feel this kind of like, I have to follow these exactly. Mm. And I felt actually a conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, Shane, you've prepped, you've studied, you know what you're saying, drop those and go out there. I'm with you. And, and I can't tell you how there is this, both, uh, this nervous wreck, the very first minute, oh gosh, <laughs> what if I forget everything I'm going to say, but also this incredible peace that I honestly, the Lord says, I'm with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Don't worry. You've already prepped. Now let me just speak through you. So it makes it more conversational too. Yeah. I've noticed in you, mm-hmm. I mean, v- very conversational. So you're not alone because you got the prayers of the saints. You got the Holy spirit with you. I'm going to give you one more. And this is, the, I, I'm doing this knowing that you will make fun of me in oh, the future. Uh, but you also have Carmen with you. Oh. Do you don't remember the Christian singer, Carmen. Yes. Now, I, when I was a young pastor, uh, when I was actually a youth pastor and I would fill in, I would get so nervous. Those are those days you're prepping forever. And there was a song called 1955. And I remember I used to like, it was like a locker room pump up for me. I'm back in the youth room. So, so here it is. Here, here's the line. Carmen said, once all this had ended, up to the microphone, stepped the man of God himself, strong, alone, and prone, and with a furnace in his eyes, and no time left to play, this human locomotive right there began to say, a little drum beat, I believe in a God that sets the captives free. I believe in the blood that flows from Calvary. You feeling awkward yet? I can tell. Does anyone love Jesus? Does anyone hate sin? Does anyone believe that Christ is coming back again? What God wants me to ask you what he needs to know most are you saved sanctified and filled with the holy ghost <laughs> if you never heard that song man i used to play that on the 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 portable stereo in the youth room and just crank it up and just that, that was like pump my chest up you know oh, that's so funny. game time okay so i'm gonna ask if you had a song that they needed to play if it was your walkout song or you're an nba team before you preached what, what's your walkout song any thoughts is mine, oh, mine is Carmen. I, I don't know if I can even think straight after that. <laughs> I, I have no words right now. <laughs> I, just, I need to clear my mind for a while. I'm more like quiet and just like sitting there in my head. <laughs> Maybe a little Enya. I think music would actually distract me a lot. It's funny. I was a music that's major, not, though, that's so I true. analyze music that's a lot. That's true. So I actually don't want music around. Oh. That's all right. That's all right. Golly, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Maybe... I don't know what I would use to pump me up, honestly. You know what? I would probably do. You know what kind of gets me pumped up is like some old DC talk. No way. Yeah, here we go. Jesus freak or something. If I was going to do something, I would probably go that route. Because I saw the tat on his big fat belly and it wiggled around like marmalade jelly. Then I would feel really insecure. Like maybe I do have that belly. Yeah. Honestly, the only thing I do to pump myself up, though I never use those words very much, is is, uh, uh, energy drink. (laughs) Oh, that's the, right. The girly one that you don't like me yeah, drinking. Yeah, the, the lady drink that you drink. <laughs> it's not girly. Andy just thinks it's girly. <laughs> well, you, you can be the judge. Someday you'll you'll see a video. Listen, <laughs> thank you guys for this. Just four simple things. I think that we all deal with some myths, and there's probably a million others. Just know this. When you're preaching the Word of God, it's between you and Him, and everyone else gets to overhear. That that there is, it's His word, it's His responsibility. Just be faithful. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen says this: Do your best 
to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. That's what you do. You don't have to hit a home run every week. Just understand that uh, you do everything you can to present yourself to God and rightly handle that word. He's going to take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, guys, great to have you with us. We're going to invite you back for one more episode as we uh, actually get a little deeper into some real issues, not just the myths, and we're looking forward to doing that. We'll be with you again here in just a, uh, another week as we continue on this journey. Don't forget to check out Chosen Road's new album as they have a great new drop, including this song, You'll love it, and we love you at the Rural Pastor Podcast. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty pews where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you've sown But it just takes one willing soul to make him known Thank you so much for joining us at the RuralPastorPodcast.com A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music To 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor And you can check out both of them at our website As well as other resources Because you're not alone And Rural Pastor, we believe in you At the RuralPastorPodcast.com